we're starting this series on the book of James. Uh, and, and I want to share two things. Why James and, and a little bit of, of about James and how his life changed and, and how it caused us uh, to, to change. Um, so I got a friend. I do have a friend, by the way. I have a friend, Jody Garner, who's a preacher down in Pine Tree Church of Christ. And for a while now, he's been talking with me. Hey, how about we, we co-preach through a series? Not at, on the same place at the same time, but he's at Pine Tree preaching and I'm here preaching. And then he had done this with another gentleman named Lane Brown, who some of you know, who, who's been tied up to Deer Run. And he's a preacher at Kilgore at the Chandler Street Church of Christ. So... The, the three of us began conversation about what would we preach through. And they had been thinking of the book of James. And uh, as we started looking at that, I thought it was very fitting for our congregation as well. Um, and and a, a big of the reason is because it, it sounds, it has some things woven into it, like the Sermon on the Mount. That, that it, it, it kind of goes, the letter's a little different from some of Paul's letters, very systematic. It's more kind of like, like written like a proverb. Uh, the way I kind of see James is, is it's like a, a parent who is really trying to share with their teenager all these different things, these, these ideas, these ways of living that God calls us to. And, and as you're telling your teenager, you're, you're kind of amplifying some things and you're moving along and then you kind of come back to certain areas and it's kind of just woven in and blended together. And so as I started looking at that, I thought this, this would really work here, uh, but it would also give me the ability to work with two other ministers and think about, uh, think about what is the scripture saying, bounce things off of them, share resources, share stories, uh, have discussion throughout the week about this scripture, about the, the book of James. Uh, and so the, the most important thing when doing a series is what is, what is the theme of the series? Uh, and I began thinking the theme should be like faith works because it was a neat play on of faith works, but also faith works. Uh, and so... Uh, they had some different ideas of what we should do, and here's a quick video of what we came to, right quick. Video Why don't you start it by addressing your congregation, please? No, I'm just going to play. I want to address them. I know. You're going to try to find a funny clip to make us look bad. Yeah. I like the fact that you are Zooming in the same room. We're mm -hmm. so. Zoom friends. Y'all do this often, just the two of you? You get together and Zoom? We Zoom each other in the same room, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right, uh, so, so I think we've decided on mature faith. Maturing faith. Mature yeah. faith or maturing? Well, the less syllables there are, there, the easier it is for me to say it. That's what I would say, yeah. Mature, mature faith. faith. Are y'all going to be offended if I call it maturing faith when I say it out loud? Yep, I will. <clears throat> All right. Well, I probably will. So I apologize for the offensiveness. Gotcha. All right. So maturing faith starting August twenty first. That's the brains behind the operation. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> uh, so Lane is the one that's covering his face with a coffee cup the whole time. 
and that you don't see, and Jody is the one with the beard right, right there front and center. Uh, Cynthia, you can go ahead and get rid of that so we don't get distracted the whole time. Um, James is, is interesting. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. We believe this to be the brother of Jesus who's, who's writing the book of James. And we see some interactions pre-resurrection. And here's one of them. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 through 58. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get his wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is without honor except in his hometown, his own town, in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And so Matthew kind of sets this kind of tone of, of there's, some, there's some tension there uh, between his brothers and sisters in him, that, that there's not this full belief of what Jesus is up to and where Jesus is going. Uh, Mark will record that too as well, uh, that, that they're kind of at a distance with Jesus. Uh, they're not fully buying into that he is this Messiah. Uh, John kind of does it in this intimate setting there at the cross. Where, where Jesus is up on the cross and, and Jesus looks at, down at John and says, John, behold your mother, Mary. He doesn't, he doesn't say that to James. Why? I don't know, but it's significant that he said it to John instead of James. See, Jesus was the oldest brother. And for him to be crucified and dying, who was going to take care of his mother? He doesn't hand the torch off to, to James. He hands it to John. And so, before the resurrection, there's this disconnect between James and, and Jesus, it seems like. And then after the resurrection, we see James, who is, who is a devout Christian, who is in, the, in Jerusalem, being a leader among the Jerusalem Christians, who is a spokesman there for the council, who history records for James in his final moments before he was killed, professes with more courage than ever that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And so there's this, this transition that takes place for James. And what is it? We see it in 1 Corinthians. He's mentioned that when Jesus showed himself to people, he is specifically brought out in that passage he is specifically seen as Jesus showed himself to James. And the scripture says, and to James, his brother. That the writer there wants our attention to focus in on that James got to see the resurrected Jesus. So the resurrection changed James. That kind of ties into where we were on Easter Sunday, talking about how the resurrection should change us, and that we experience the resurrection 
through baptism, just like we got to see Brantley today take on Christ through baptism. And that the resurrection changes us and we participate in that through baptism. And so this writer, James, the brother of Jesus, had this encounter that allowed him to say, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And then he goes on and he shares with this people group here in the book of James some very important and vital things. Multiple commands, multiple calls of living. And what James is doing is James is saying that, that the, the main point isn't getting to the point of, of baptism, isn't getting to the point of confession, isn't getting to the point of saying, I believe. That that's not, that's not the end game. That in fact, that's a beginning. And he's calling these people here to what Jesus called this greatest command taken from Deuteronomy, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Jesus quotes that. And woven into the book of James, we see and hear and feel that as well. But that starts off with hear, but then what you hear is a call to action, is a way of living. It's not just hear and listen, but it's hear and do. And as I think about this and where we ended with the Sermon on the Mount, with the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ends with this thought of this wise man and this foolish man, and, and we talked about how both men have storms coming in life but one's house stands firm. And in that, he says this at the beginning. Whoever hears these words of mine, whoever hears and puts them into practice and does, he's like the wise man. And so James is filled with these actions, this way of life, living out our faith. And some will, will, will take this book of James and, and, and often you, you kind of study it kind of scripture by scripture and, and walk through it. We're going to walk through it a little bit differently and others have done it this way uh, because I see these different themes as they come back. We're, we're going to section it off into different themes, different ideas, different calls, commands that James is trying to get across to the people because the goal is this. Let's go to James chapter 1. In verse 4. Uh, actually, let's back up to 2. I feel like 2, 3, and 4 are, are James's purpose statement, in a sense, for the whole letter. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
that James is desiring the people that he is, is sharing this with to become mature and complete, not lacking anything. One of the themes that we had thought about of calling this series was, was perfect faith. But we, we didn't want to get wrapped up into this word perfect, right? Because that scares us. But what's going on here in this text, this, this idea of perfect or mature faith, is whole. It's this whole being complete, full. That there's not any part lacking there. And, and for us, since we do believe in baptism, we focus in on it and, and we kind of get to this point of baptism, of being dunked on the water and then coming back up and then we're like, okay, we're good. But James is saying that's not the end point. That's the beginning point. That's the start. And from here on out, you work at being complete, at being whole, at being perfect, at being mature. And so we're going to be called through the book of James to work on some stuff, to deal with some things, to, to think about how we deal with trials and temptations and sin, to think about how we talk with one another. Sounds very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't it? And we're going to walk through that encouraging one another to know that our baptism is not the end game, that it's the beginning. And that while we connect through baptism to salvation, that we live out our salvation daily. And that we're called to be disciples who want to learn and study and work on ourselves. That none of us have arrived and we're all good. And it looks different from everybody. There's not this one formula for each person. I think that's why James has these different thoughts coming in. We all have something that we've got to work on. And so may we begin this series uh, asking God, saying, God, what is it? What is it I need to work on? Where are some areas in my life that I'm not complete, that I'm not whole, that I'm not perfect. Where are some areas in my life that I'm immature? Don't answer that for me, please. But where, where is it you want me to work on, God? Where can I submit to you and live out this? Uh, if you have some need and want to discuss that and, and work on that, that's why we have our prayer team that comes up. If you want to begin that through baptism, this is a good time, or any time this week is a good time. 